Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Our culture is full of competing voices, confusing our orientation, turning us around. We can't find our way. How can we navigate? How do we know where to go? Without the truth, it's easy to lose our way. On our own, we're lost. We need a tool to guide us forward, a compass, a set direction. That's the name of the series that we're in right now, True North, and the idea is that we've got to find that true north so that we can get to where we need to be, and that's with Jesus. So uh, that's the series. We're in it, and it is part of a series that's built around the the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and if you want to do some good reading, you can read ahead a little bit and and spend some time there. It takes about five minutes to read Matthew 5 through 7. If you read it every day, it would change your life uh, for for this series. So I just want to tell you about that. Before we get going, I want to kind of give you an update on Jonathan, our our college pastor. Um, He's had COVID, has been really sick, uh, but in the past uh, day, he's actually shown some improvement. Uh, They're pulling a little bit off of oxygen, but keep praying, okay? Okay, that's good news. But keep praying. There are others that are, that are, uh, that are struggling right now within the, our church and, and people that are connected with it. And so I just tell you, keep praying. And uh, checked with Jonathan, and he actually told me, he said, the virus did not ask whether he was a Republican or Democrat. And so um, I just uh, encourage you, don't think in those terms. Think of what can I do not to get it. And, uh, and uh, if you can get a vaccine, get a vaccine, okay? I'm um, just telling you. Um, it is, it is a dangerous thing, and uh, I love you guys, and I don't want to be doing any funerals, uh, uh, so just uh, let me just encourage you in that, so uh, that's going on. Uh, if you were to go with me to Atlanta, and I would take you to Atlanta, and uh, here we are in Atlanta, we get to the Chattahoochee River, and I were to take a cup out, and I reached down to the river and got you a great big old cup of water from the river, would you drink it? How many would love to drink that water straight from the... Okay. I, you know, I, I'm just going to say it's got things in it that, that aren't good, okay? There's some pollution in it. There are little things that grow in water like that, uh, that, that if they get inside, they'll make your stomach, can I just say, unhappy, okay, to, to, to say the least, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe even really just do some serious damage. But I could take you to another part of the Chattahoochee, that if I were to take you there, and, and it's up in the North Georgia mountains, it's where the water actually bubbles up out of the ground, and I were to reach down in there, and I would get a cup of water, and I would hand it to you. Can I tell you what? You would want that water, because it is good, it is cold, it is clean, it is pure, and it is sweet, okay? Been there, done that. And the difference is, the farther you get away from a source of something is the more messed up it gets, okay? 
The farther you get away from the source of the Chattahoochee, the more polluted. And that's even true in the church, okay? The farther we get away from the time when Jesus walked on the earth, the worse the church gets. And so we've got to always be adjusting back there. And, 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 and that's so important. Now, you may not know this, but our churches are a part of churches called the Restoration Movement. And the Restoration Movement is about restoring the first century church, getting back to when Jesus was here and, and, and actually what he established. And so what I share with you today is in that spirit. And what we're going to talk about today is getting to the source of happiness, is getting to the source of happiness. I'm going to show you where happiness doesn't come from today, so you'll know that. I'm going to show you the source of our happiness, and that's our happy God. And then I'm going to show you, just like it talked about in that video, the path that we will take to happiness. And so this is a sermon in a sentence today, God is the only source for true happiness. God is the only source for true happiness. We have to understand that. And if we want true happiness, we have to go to him. You're not going to find it anywhere else. And so I'm going to look at a guy named Solomon, who we would think by the world standards should be happy, and he wasn't. Then we're going to look at our happy God, and then we're going to look at the path that Jesus gives us for happiness. So let's jump in, and we're going to start talking about Solomon. Solomon shows us where you won't find happiness. In case you're not familiar with Solomon, he's the king that replaced David, who was his father. He was a, he, he was a king that when God asked him, would you like money, would you like fame, or would you like wisdom? You know what he said? I'll take wisdom. And God gave him all of the above, fame, wisdom, and wealth. And so he got the wisdom, and he was, he was a really smart guy. If you read the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are all his books. He is referred to in the Bible as the wisest man ever. And when you see some of the things that, that he did, you might think, well, if he was that wise, why did he do that? And you, you'll figure that out when we look at it. So this is the guy that if you looked at him by today's standard, you would think he would be the happiest person that ever walked the face of the earth. So let's talk about Solomon for just a minute. Let me tell you what he had. He had wealth. He had a lot of wealth. He had lots of money. He was flush with cash. Jeff Bezos, they say he's worth around $200 billion. Okay, that's kind of out of my range. Okay, I'll just tell you. Let me tell you what Solomon was worth. He was worth 15 times that, $3 trillion. He's approaching national debt status there, okay? I mean, this is a lot of money. Now, now let me just tell you about his palace. He had this palace that cost right around $10 billion. The Buckingham Palace uh, goes for $2.9 billion, okay? So this is a pretty incredible place. On top of that, there were people that would just bring him gold. They figure about a billion dollars worth of gold every year just in tribute because they thought he deserved it because he was that wise. On top of that, he had horses, he had stables, and he had ships galore. He had all the money that you could ever imagine, and, 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 and some that I can't even begin to imagine. He was the richest person that ever walked the face of the earth at $3 trillion. He should be a happy guy, right? Second thing that really would make him a happy guy is women. Women. Now, I would classify this as pleasure also. He had 700 wives... Woo! And 300 concubines. Now, let me just explain concubines. We don't have those anymore. Uh, a concubine is just a woman that is there for a guy's ego and for his pleasure. 
And so that's 1,000 women. Now, the most amazing thing about Solomon is he could afford it. Okay, think about that. He could afford 1,000 women. And that's why his palace was uh, $10 billion. He had to have a lot of rooms, and that's a lot of bathrooms. And I, I'm just going to tell you, that, that, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. But when you think about that, you know, he, he, had, he had all the pleasure that he could ever imagine. Ten, you know, he, he had 1,000 women at his beck and call. Wow. Third thing that he had, he had intellect and wisdom. Intellect and wisdom. When he asked God for wisdom, you know, he had the smarts up here, but he also knew how to apply it in the world. And I often thought, and, 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 and if he was the wisest man in the world, why did he have 700 wives? And, uh, some of you are just now catching that, okay? Kathy's not in this service, so I'm saying, if you all keep your mouth shut, so... But just that idea of being so wise, there were actually people, and this is, the, this is what you read, that would bring him gold to sit in his presence and hear him. And there was actually a couple of people that after they heard what he had to say to them, they wanted to give him more gold because they thought they had gotten more than their money's worth so that they could come back to him again. Now, now I, I just got to tell you, that, 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 that's, that's intellect, that's wisdom that's way up there. And then the last thing he was is that he was very famous and powerful. Anybody that has that much wisdom is going to be famous and they're going to be powerful. There were people that would travel from around the world just to stand in line to hear him talk. And just his, his, his fame was known by everybody. Everybody knew Solomon. Everybody still knows Solomon. And so when you think about it, he really had all that we could ever ask for. And he should be the happiest person in the world. He had money. He had women. He had, he had fame and power. He had wisdom and intellect. But let's go to the end of Ecclesiastes when he's finishing out his book. And this is what he said in Ecclesiastes 12.8. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Does that sound like a happy guy to you? So I just simply say to you today is if you want to know where happiness doesn't come from, it's pretty clear here. If we were to look in our world today at those that are rich and famous and they have all the trappings of what we would think would make somebody happy, what do we find? The people of Hollywood who are some of the most miserable people in the world. So, if happiness doesn't come from all of those things, where does it come from? So the second thing I want you to hear is the Bible points as the source of our happiness as being our happy God. The Bible points to the source of our happiness as being our happy God. I heard this sermon I think it was about two years ago. And the preacher kept on referring to God as the happy God. Can I just tell you, that for some reason didn't set well with me. I, I don't know why. It, maybe it, I just had never thought of it that way. Uh, you know, I, I think most of our world doesn't think of God as being happy. And I can remember here, and I, I kept on thinking, exactly what is he saying? A happy God, is that really what he is? And as he, he continued down, he talked about this word that we're going to see today. It's called makarios. And makarios is a Greek word. And in the middle is, is K-A-R or C-A-R, depending upon how you spell it. And it simply is the, the Greek word for joy. And this word actually could be translated blessed or happy. Blessed or happy. So, so he, he made a big case about that word, and he said, this word is really happy. And then this is what he did. He took us to, to 1 Timothy, 
the first chapter in verse 11. First Timothy, the first chapter in verse 11, he says, that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. That's how it reads, but can I tell you how it could be translated? That conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the happy God. I had never thought of it that way. A happy God. Now, now let me just point out some things in this verse. It says the gospel. Gospel means good news, okay? Can you say good news with me? Good news. That's gospel, okay? That's good news. That's what we want to hear. And he says, that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed or happy God. Can I tell you what you wouldn't say? It's good news about the glory of the sad God. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Or it's good news about the glory of the mad God? Wouldn't say it, would you? It just doesn't make any sense. And so this verse is really talking about the goodness, the good news that we have a happy God. Okay, let's look at 1 Timothy 6 and verse 15. He says there, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Again, that could be translated, God, the happy and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. See, that's the idea. He is a happy God. He is, he is one that is happy. Um, I'm just going to be real honest with you. That's not really something that's crossed my mind through the years of thinking of God as happy. Now, I, I can think of God this way. I can think of God as serious or stoic, okay? Because he, he, he's, got, uh, he, he's got a lot on him. But happy? I can think of God as very busy because he, he's working to control all these things in this world. But happy? I, I can, you know, I can think of God as being disappointed. Let me explain that one to you. Um, I mess up regularly, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I know as a parent, you know, when you're a parent and when your kids mess up, you're disappointed. So I think of God, he, he's disappointed, but happy? You see, that, that, that's a whole different thought, isn't it? That, that our God is a happy God, and when you think about that, I, I want you to see something. That he is that happy God. And, and I want you to show you something. I saw this uh, uh, not too long ago, and it just actually blew me away. We're going to look at the, the last word. Got that? The last word. In the last verse of the last chapter of the last book in the New Testament, okay? Are you with me? The last word in the last verse of the last chapter in the last book of the Old Testament. The very last word in the Old Testament. And it's in Malachi 4, 6. And this is what it says. It says, otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's where the Old Testament ends. The word could also be translated destruction. It's going to end poorly is what it's saying. And, and, and this isn't a happy time for those people. In fact, there's 400 years of silence that God doesn't speak. And then let's go to the first word of the first sermon that's in the first book of the Old Testament, the, the first sermon that the Holy Spirit decided to re, record for us. And let's see what it says. And this is Matthew 5, 3. Blessed, happy. That's the first sermon that Jesus preached. What he's saying here is there's a new sheriff in town. And I, I'm not here to bring the curse. I'm here to bring happiness. I'm here to bless people. I'm here to, to show them a way. So, so he said, I'm here representing the happy God. And I'm going to show you how to have true happiness, not the world's way, but God's way. 
And so that, that's where we are now. And so I want to get down to the last thing that I want you to see today. And that Jesus shows us the path to happiness. Jesus shows us the path to happiness. We're going to look at that, that, that section of Scripture called the Beatitudes. It's a pretty amazing section of Scripture. And, and that word blessed is actually could be translated happy. We're going to watch this from a, 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 an internet show called The Chosen. And, and, and it's going to show you uh, Jesus giving these thoughts to, to Matthew as he records them for him uh, so that he can speak them the next day. So uh, watch this and, and, and substitute that word blessed for happy. Matthew. Bye-bye. I've got it. The opening? Yes. What is it? A map. The what? Directions. Where people should look to find me. Okay. Give me a moment. Mm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. the map if someone wants to find me those are the groups they should look for and then you are the salt of the earth 
right, that's The Chosen, and I just will give you a little bit of information about that. It's an internet show, and uh, we have one of our staff people, KK, who's back in the booth. She runs our technical side, and she has been an extra in that, and if we watched a little bit longer, you would see her. So if you want to watch that on the internet, you can look for KK, and she will be available for autographs afterwards today. <laughs> so... Um, that, that's an interesting way that he put it there. He said, this is a map. This is the path that will show you how to get to me, how to actually get to the source of happiness. Happy, 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 happy is what he said. And so what I want to do is just run you through this real quickly to help you understand the path to happiness because if you grasp a hold of this, it can actually change your life. The very first thing they said there, blessed are the poor in spirit. And then the poor spirit are those that realize they're spiritually bankrupt. Uh, this is what Isaiah 64, 6 says. It says, all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. Okay? We have nothing before God. And so we realize that we have nothing. And that's the beginning place. If I'm dealing with somebody that has an addiction, can I tell you what I need to get them to realize is that they have nothing. And the only way they can turn is up. Once they're there, then we can begin to work with it. But, but that's the very first thing. Blessed are the, are, the, are the poor in spirit. They realize they have nothing. Then blessed are those who mourn. That those who are sorry for their sin. You see, you realize that you don't have anything. Then you realize what? That, that, that I, I've offended God. I've messed up God. And you're actually sorry about that. Until our heart hurts, it probably isn't going to work. We use sin today for entertainment. That's what we laugh at. That's what we watch on TV. And, and sin actually breaks the heart of God. And when our heart breaks because we see sin, when we, when we weep because of what we see, that's, that's putting us on the road to happiness. The third one is blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, meek is submission. Meek we think of as weak, absolutely not. The actual word for meek is a horse under control, a horse that has been broken, a horse that is useful, and for us, it is us under God's control. It's when we submit ourselves, that's when happiness begins to happen. And the next one is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They have a changed desire. They, they want something that's pure. They, they, they want to get back to the source. And I simply tell you is that once you get to that point, you realize you got nothing before God, and you realize, hey, I'm broken his heart, and you're willing to submit, then it's going to change your desires, and you're going to begin to pursue him. And then, then this change begins to happen in us. Blessed are the merciful. What happens here is, I don't know if you all realize this, the fact that you are sitting here breathing air today is the mercy of God, okay? I don't know any other way to say it. The fact that you and I are sitting here because we deserve, we, we deserve to be gone because of our sin. And so we're there in that mercy. And what happens there, blessed are the merciful, is that you and I actually have a change in the way we, we, we uh, see people. Instead of judging them, what do we do? We show mercy. We want to help them come to know Jesus. The, 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 the next one is, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart is just single single-hearted, single-minded devotion after God. When you realize that he's that good, when you realize that everything about him is good and that he is, and he's for us, then you have that single-minded devotion. Let me explain to you this way. I was in college, I was a sophomore, and there's this young lady that I, I, I thought she was attractive, and I said to Kathy, you want to go out to dinner on Friday night? So I took my wife out to dinner on Friday night. The next night, I took another young lady out to dinner, Okay. 
Uh, I, I, I thought, well, that's, that's, that's what you do. I can remember sitting at dinner and thinking, what am I doing with this girl? I'm going to marry Kathy, okay? I, I knew that after one evening, uh, but that, that's the way I thought. And then I had this single-hearted, single-minded devotion to chase after Kathy, and I'm still doing it, okay? That, that, that's kind of how it works. And that's exactly what this is talking about here. Blessed are the pure in heart, those that have decided that God is it, and they're going to go after him. And the next one is blessed are the peacemakers. That doesn't mean that I keep people from fighting. What that actually means is I introduce them to Jesus, and he brings peace to their hearts. Not not peace between people, but once they get peace in their heart, they'll have peace with other people. And the last one really seems terrible, like a terrible idea. Blessed are those that are persecuted. Okay? Blessed are those that when they stand up for God, there are going to be people that put them down. I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't say if you're persecuted, it says when you're persecuted. But there's a blessing that comes because at that point, you know that your heart is true and for Jesus. Now, I look at this as a pathway. I start out realizing I've got nothing before you, God. This is how I start my morning. I surrender to God. I raise my hands. I say, here you go, God. You got me. But then I look at my day, and I'm sorry for it. I submit myself to him, and then I begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness to get into his word. And so I just say that that's the way it works for me. I believe it is that path that it talks about, a map that will lead us to the source of happiness. And if we will walk there, it will help us know the happy God. It's that simple. I love the Beatitudes, but can I tell you, I also hate the Beatitudes. Let me tell you how it works for me. I, I, I get down to that submission part, meek, and, and I, I settled that a long time ago when I was baptized. I said, I, I, I'm all in there. But you know what? Sometimes I, I, I kind of get not meek. I, I don't submit the way that I should. Or, or that next one, hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's so much in this world that pulls me away from God. And so as I begin to go through that, you know what it is? It actually becomes a thermometer for me to see how I am doing and following God. And what happens is I look at that, I will discover why maybe I have some unhappiness in me because I don't have single-hearted devotion or I'm not hungering thirst after righteousness or I'm not helping people find peace or I'm not sorry for my sin. So I just encourage you in this. Get in the, the, get in the Beatitudes and see how you're doing in that pathway to happiness. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens. I get up there to the, the persecuted point, and when I'm being persecuted, I usually start back over again because at that point, I realize I need God all the more, and then I go right back through it again. But that's progress. So I encourage you today. Hear me. Hear Solomon. All that this world has to offer will not bring happiness. Number two, There is one source of happiness, and that's God. He is a happy God, and he wants us to be happy. And Jesus shows up on this earth, and he says, this is the way to happiness. You're going to be happy when you're poor in spirit. You're going to be happy when you're sorry for your sin. You're going to be happy when you submit, when you're hunger and thirst after righteousness, when you have a pure heart. You see, that's the way it works. For so many of us, though, we get caught up in what the world says is happy. And what do we do? We get caught there and we never get to the place of happiness that God has for us. Let's bow our heads. 
Father, I thank you for the words of Jesus. I thank you for the example of Solomon. Father, I just, um, I ask right now that you work in our hearts and minds. Show us if we're chasing after the things of this world. Show us if we're chasing after things that won't bring happiness. Show us if we're making the same mistake that Solomon made. And then, Father, help us to change directions. Father, I pray that you'll break all of our hearts with what breaks yours. I pray that you will just make it so clear if we're following something we shouldn't be following. Speak to us today, Father, through your spirit, through your word, and help us make up our minds that we're done with chasing after happiness the world's way and help us to fall in love with our happy God, the true source of happiness. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You'll see a picture come up on the screen. Uh, you may have seen one of these in a, in a playground. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the name is. I couldn't find the exact name. Uh, I heard a friend called a spinner, merry-go-round, a playground, merry-go-round, a playground spinner. You know it, 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 and this is how it worked for me growing up. I would get on it, and my brother would push it. He's five years older than I am. He, I had a death wish, I guess, when I got on there. Uh, because what he would do is try to push it so fast, I mean, so fast that I couldn't hold on, and I would be slung off into the, into the mud or, or into the dirt. And uh, I never broke a bone, but I did have a lot of bruises and a lot of scrapes, and he just loved doing that. The other outcome that he was hoping for is that when I would get up, I would be so dizzy that I would stagger around and, and throw up at some point. He, he just thought that was the greatest thing. And my parents let him. Uh, what does that tell you? But you know what, that spinner is really an example of what it's like if we're gonna chase happiness in the world's way. We're gonna end up getting slung off and we're not gonna find happiness. We're gonna end up uh, sick at our stomach because of what we have been through. And so today, I just wanna invite you, simple invitation, I just want to invite you to get off of the merry-go-round of the world's way of happiness, okay? You're not going to find it there. Ultimately, you'll be slung off into to a, a mess or you're going to make yourself sick chasing after it and it's not going to end up well. So my challenge today is say, hey, I'm done with that. I need you, God. I need you. I, I can't do this without you. Change my heart. Change me. So I'm going to be up front. There'll be some others up front. And if you need prayer for anything today and if you just need to say, hey, I want to get off the merry-go-round, Hey, I'd love to pray with you. And if you just have a, a healing, a relationships, whatever, we, we would love to pray with you and for you uh, because this is what I know. God wants you to be happy. And, and, uh, and, and he has that path. And if you'll follow that, you will be. So let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at